morning. I've always enjoyed hearing what other Christians identify as, um, excuse me, as their, uh, as their life verse. And maybe you have one, it's that uh, one verse or set of verses that's had a significant impact on your own life. And if we had the time this morning, I'd love to go out in the audience, take a mic around and find out how many of you have a life verse and, and what it is and why you've chosen it. Some of you might be that, that verse or set of verses that you know, turned on the light and you understood what the grace of God was all about it, or it might be that it, it, a, a verse that you just came at, at a defining point in your life. You had a, you know, a life-changing decision to make. And still today, it's like a lighthouse that guides you in your most important decisions. So it might be a verse that gave you the strength to do, do what you knew you needed to do when you were faced with a major moral decision. You know, I'm, I'm confident that if, you know, if we took the time and uh, I came out and listened to what you would say was your life verse and the reason why you chose it, uh, I, I, there'd be a lot of different reasons, but every one of those reasons uh, pointing to God's love and, and God's kindness toward each one of us. And I've got to tell you, it doesn't get much better for preaching than being able to preach your life verse. Easy to be motivated, easy to speak from the heart, easy to speak with conviction and passion. If you've uh, been to Brookside for a few years, you might think, because I talk about it so often, my favorite chapter in the Bible is Romans chapter 8, you might think, well, it's Steve's life's verse, got, got to come from that chapter. Actually, it goes back further than Romans chapter 8 for me, all the way back to the late 70s, early 80s, which I, you know, I realize for, for some of you here today, that's only something you read about in history books. But um, that's, that's for me when that really, really got me. And it's a set of five verses from the uh, fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews, New Testament book of Hebrews, and if you're wondering where Hebrews is, you go all the way to the uh, last book in the Bible, book of Revelation, start going to your left and don't go too fast, and uh, you'll, you'll come across the book of Hebrews. So Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, and this is what the writer said. He made the statement, he said, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give a, an account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. But we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I memorized those verses 30-plus uh, years ago. 
And they meant a lot to me then, and they still mean a lot to me today for two reasons. First of all, because of the confidence they give me, the relationship that is mine with God through Jesus Christ. And, and second, because of how helpful they've been for me for a lot of years now in sharing my faith in Jesus Christ with, uh, with other people. What's really been a lot of fun about this is that every time I use these verses to explain the gospel to another person, I'm I'm speaking from my own experience of what they, what they meant for me, and 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 there's just so much peace and joy, that that it's you know it's it, it, that they've given to me for a whole lot of years, and so it's just a lot of fun to be able to, to be able to share the gospel, be able to talk about Christ through those verses. So here's what we're going to do. I don't know if you remember, if you were here uh, three weeks ago, when we were in the fourth chapter of of John's gospel, I made a promise to you. As we, in that chapter, we listened into a conversation that Jesus had with a woman by a well where he gave her the, the best news anybody could possibly have, and that is that it's possible for her to have a relationship with God and experience God's grace not only during her life here on earth, but for forever, for, for all of eternity. We looked at that conversation and my challenge that Sunday for myself, for all of us, was to have that, that same kind of a conversation with other people. And, and what I promised was that I was going to take time today to show you uh, one of the ways, and really just one of the ways, that you can share your faith in Christ with another person. So I'm going to do that through these five verses that we just looked at and just read in the book of Hebrews. Now, I know, because you've told me, that some of you have been eagerly waiting for t this sermon today. And, and so that's motivated me to, to do my very best, you know, to be well prepared for what I'm going to be talking about here in these next few minutes. But I, but I also know that there's some of you uh, that are not sharing so much enthusiasm about this, and you... You, you know, you tried once, maybe more than once, to talk to another person about your faith in Jesus Christ, and it, it didn't go so well, you know. And, and so you've, you've said to yourself ever since that time, well, I'm not going to do that again. Or it might be that you've never shared your faith in Jesus Christ with another person. And it's not because you don't want to, but it's because you, don't, you just don't want to blow it. You, you care so much for that person, and you don't want to in some way say something that's just going to push them further away from God, and so you've been intimidated by it, and, and I just want to tell you, boy, I understand the challenge. You know, I, I, uh, it, was, it was real to me, that challenge, the first time I shared my faith in Christ when I was a senior in high school, and it, it's still a challenge for me today, and, and so, I, you know, I'm with you on that one, and, and I, I, I got to tell you that what you're feeling inside, the concern you have about that, that's equally motivating for me today to, to do the best I can in, in talking with you about this. And, I, you know, I just want to add this thought to encourage you. I'm convinced that the only way you can blow this thing of talking to somebody else about Jesus Christ is if you've got the wrong motivation. If you just want to show them how much better than, you know, you are than them, if you somehow just want to put that person down, yeah, you're going to blow it if you... If you do that, but I don't think any one of you want to do that. 
You see, I'm convinced <laughs> it's a total win all the way around. I mean, first of all, you're going to be honoring God by doing it. I mean, you talk about the grace of God, the love of God through Jesus Christ, and you're going to be, you're going to be bringing honor to God, and, and that in itself is worth it. I mean, just do that, and uh, it's a powerful thing. And, and then second, you're obeying God. That's a win. Now, Jesus Christ said it's what we're to do. And then, I, you know, you're, I think it's a win because you're giving another person the opportunity to be able to hear about God's love, to be able to hear about Jesus Christ and the grace of God through Jesus Christ. So I guarantee you it's a win, all right? You don't have to worry about that. It's, you're not going to lose. You're only going to win. Everybody's going to win. God's going to win, okay? So wherever you're at, with what I'm about to do, I've got the same request, okay? I'd like you to kind of think of uh, what we're doing today as, as a workshop and how to share your faith and as an opportunity to prepare yourself for the next opportunity that God gives you to have that kind of a conversation with somebody, whether you're excited about it or you're reluctant to get it. Because the thing I can guarantee you, God's going to give you that opportunity. I mean, God will. You, you know, you got to... You'd have to hide in your house and not go out of your house uh, to, not, to not have that opportunity, all right? On the other hand, it's possible you're, you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ. You're interested, you're asking questions, but you're not there yet. And you came this morning to, uh, to try to understand what this thing of Christianity is all about. You just want to know more about it. And I just want to thank you for coming, for taking the time, and I hope that what I'm about to say is helpful for you. You know, my preference would be if you and I could sit down and have like a one-on-one -on -one conversation uh, about this, and, and that might even be the way you think about it. So, you know, if, if I was just talking with you this morning, you were the only person here, we were sitting across the table from each other, you could ask me a question at any point. You could just stop me and say, well, what about that, Steve? And so what you might do as I'm going through this this morning, you might just write down your questions, all right, that you'd like to ask me. What you could do, you could just email me and uh, uh, just go online and you'll see how to spell my name. And once you got that, the, e the rest of it's easy, all right? It's just smaltemeyer at brookside.net. Okay, now, now, every time I've talked with somebody uh, about sharing their faith in Jesus Christ, I've always, I've always been asked three questions. I mean, just all the time. And that's what we're going to, I'm going to answer those three questions this morning. The first question is, well, Steve, where do you start the conversation? Where do you start? How do you, how do you get the thing going? Number two, what do you say once it's started? Once the conversation's going, then what do you talk about? How, wh what do you say? And number three, how do you end it? How do you end the conversation? So first of all, oh, by the way, um, love to have you take notes. You can take notes this morning if you'd like to. I always, always encourage that. But the thing today is I'm going to take this, this sermon, I mean, but as it's written and as I'm preaching it, and we're going to put it online for you right where you normally go online and you can listen to this sermon. Uh, you can also download it. And so you don't even have to take any notes this morning if, if you don't want to, okay? So number one, where do you start the conversation. 
I can go all the way back to my senior year in high school. Very first time that I shared my faith in Christ. I can remember exactly where I was when I did it. And the thing I can tell you is that I'm finding that what was true then is still true today. People do think about their relationship with God. I mean, it's on people's minds, their relationship with God. Not only, not only during their lifetime, but also what it's going to be, what their relationship with God is going to be like when they die, when they step into eternity. I got to tell you, everybody, people think about this. You, you, you may not realize it, but they think about it a whole lot more. Uh, I think sometimes than we do realize. So whenever I have a conversation with another person about my faith in Jesus Christ, this is where I begin. I begin with our relationship with God, and I talk about how it only makes sense, it's only logical that the God who created us would want to have a relationship with us. And frankly, I get excited about that, to think that the creator of the universe wants to have a relationship with me. And this being true, that that God then would not leave us wondering who he is and, and what he's like, that, that instead God would communicate with us, that God would make himself known to us, that, that, and, and, and along with that, that God would show us how to have a relationship with him. I, I just, every time in conversation, I'll say, man, doesn't it make sense that the God who created us would want us to know him? And doesn't it make sense that this God would want to have a relationship with us if he created us? And, and also, and, and then, doesn't it make sense that God would show us how to have a relationship with him? And I can't think of a time that I've said this that the person I'm talking with didn't agree. They, I mean, I can just say over and over again, they'd say, yeah, it makes sense. So, once I know that we're on the same page with this, it's then that I lead our conversation into these five verses in Hebrews, and they're really the answer uh, as to what to say once the conversation is started. So point number two, what do you say when the conversation's going, when it started? And I began by saying that as a Christian, I believe that God's revealed himself to us in three ways. God's God's revealed himself to us through creation, God's revealed himself through the Bible, and God's revealed himself through Jesus Christ. I, I just say that over and over again, every conversation I've had. And I begin with creation. <clears throat> and I, I, I'll talk about how fascinated I am with the universe, you know, and you've heard me talk about the Hubble telescope, so whenever I have a chance, I always try to bring that into a conversation because it's just fun. It's just fun to, to talk about it and I talk about, you know, how creation shows us the brilliance of God and, and God's power and God's creative ability and, and, and the size of the universe alone pointing to the infinite greatness of God. I mean, it's just, it's just fun to bring people along with us, to just help people see, man, look at the God who created us. is absolutely great. I say, you know, you know, no doubt about it. We learn a lot about God through creation itself, you know. But it's important to take it in that conversation to the next level of how God communicates with us to help the person you're talking with to see that as much as we learn about God through creation, we learn even more about God through the Bible. And not only do we learn everything that's true about God, we learn everything that's true 
about ourselves. And, and I'll be honest with you, I'm, and when I'm having a conversation with somebody about this, I get pretty enthusiastic about the Bible, okay? I mean, I don't hide it. And, and you shouldn't, because it's an incredible book. There's just absolutely no reason to be apologetic about it whatsoever. Let your enthusiasm show. Now, you might be thinking right now, uh, well, but Steve, I'm going to be asked the question right now, if you, if you say I'm going to say that, or you might be asking the question yourself, and, and the question is, well, why the Bible? Why the Bible? Why not some other religious book? Why, why, why do you believe that God speaks to us through the Bible and not through the Quran or through the, or through the Vita or through, through the religious teachings of Buddhism? I mean, I, just had, I had somebody come up after first service, and he said, boy, this is so timely for me. And he said, because I grew up Hindu, and I'm going back to India in, uh, in October. And, and he said, I'm, I want to be having this conversation with my parents that you that you just went through this morning. Now, well, why not some other religious book? Well, a couple things here, all right? Whenever somebody brings up a question like that, one of the things that I, that I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say is, uh, you know, we can talk about that. And we can talk a little bit about it now, or I'll, 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 we can talk about it a lot if you'd like to. But w what I'd like to suggest is, how about we kind of put that one on the parking lot? You know, let, let's just wait with that one for a while. Let me just finish talking with what we're going to talk about today, and then I'll come back to that if you'd like me to, okay? That's one of the things you could say. And when I've done that, I would say about 70% of the time people say, you know what, I'm fine with that. And we can come back to that, Okay? But if, if, they want, if they want to talk about it, let me just give you a couple quick short answers to it. Uh, one of the things I'll say, well, the way in which the Bible was written. The Bible wasn't written by one person, but it was written by uh, many different authors over an extended period of time. And what's so remarkable about that is that even though it was written over hundreds and hundreds of years by many different authors that had the same message, it's consistent all the way through. And I'd say that, that's a pretty good a pretty good thing there. And, and, uh, and then I'll talk about how, how the content of the Bible itself. And many times, uh, and not to put the person on the spot, but, but just to find out, I'll say, have you read any of, have you, have you read the Bible? And many times they haven't. I say, have you read any other religious writings? And many times they'll say they haven't. And I'll say, well, you know, I actually have. And when I compare the religious writings of, of, of other religions and, and I put it up against the Bible, there's just no comparison to the content, the, the wisdom of the Bible, the wisdom that it has for our lives now. And, 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 and you read it and it just all makes sense. There's nothing weird about it or strange about it. And I say, most of all, what, what it tells us about God, it, it reveals to us a God of love and and a God of grace, where, and you compare that to, to, to the gods of other religious writings, and those gods are either impersonal or hateful. And so I'll take some time to talk about that, but one of the things I, I, I want to do is to make sure to keep things on track, okay, with where we're going, okay? So I talk about, we, we read the Bible, and we learn uh, even... We learn more about God, the truth that God's holy, and the truth that God's just, and the truth that God's, God's loving. 
You know, say that's invaluable truth to know. And, and I've said so many times in these conversations, I am so thankful that, that the God who created this universe is holy and just and loving. And I say, I can't imagine what this world would be like if God were any other way. And, and, I, and, and the response I get almost always, I mean, I can just almost guarantee it, is they'll look at me and they'll say, man, you're right about that. Man, you know, I can't imagine what, the, what the, it would be like if God were evil. So we learn truth about God through the Bible. And then I, then I say, but you know what else? We also learn what's true about ourselves. And these are the things I emphasize. First of all, I emphasize the, the, the reason that we've been able to accomplish what we've done to this point in human history. And I'll say, you know what? There's no denying it. We've done some amazing things. The, the human mind is phenomenal. And I'll say, the Bible shows us that, that we are we are what we are because we've been created in the image of God. And I'll say, you know, there's the stuff of God in us big time. That's fun to talk. And somebody else come up, come up to me after first service, and, and they, they said, you know, man, I, this was just so right for me today to, to listen to because of a conversation I had last night. And he said, I was talking to somebody who had a tattoo on him that said, I'm not special. I said, wow, that's a great lead-in to a conversation about God and Jesus Christ because what does the Bible shows us? It shows us how special we really are because we've been created in the image of God and because God loves us so much. You know? The second thing I emphasize is the Bible shows us, I'll, I'll, I've said this over and over, the Bible shows us that God created us with something that we put a lot of value in. And that's the freedom to choose what we do and we don't do. And, you know, that, that's one of the key truths we learn about ourselves from the Bible. And, and, and I say, honestly, we wouldn't want it any other way, would we? But with this freedom comes the potential for us to choose evil over good, for us to choose wrong over right. And and, and I'll say, isn't it, isn't it fascinating? How, you know, we start exercising that freedom at, at, at such a very young age. And, and, and I like to have fun with this. If, if it's a parent I'm talking to, I said, do you remember the first time your son or your daughter said no to you? Well, how did, you know, why'd they do that? Well, because they got the freedom to choose. You know, they got this, that ability that God gave them to say no. It's wrong. It's a sin, you know. Yeah, but you can do it. And I'll say, you know, you read the Bible, and you see how God spells all of this out for us. God tells us about our potential to do some very amazing things. And, and with this potential, we have a huge capacity for so much that's good. But God also shows us that we have an equal capacity for evil. We can, we can go as far south with sin as we choose to go. And, and the Bible's very clear that we've gone terribly far in the wrong direction. And some of us further than others. And I'll say, but all of us far enough. We've all sinned more than a few times. And here's where I write out the first of the five verses. And then I'll always, if I know I'm going to have, if I'm hoping for an opportunity to have a conversation with somebody about Christ, I always bring a blank piece of paper with me. And, and if it just happens and, 
Now, I wasn't expecting it. We're at a restaurant or something. I'll use napkins, okay? Now, they don't work as well, but you can do it. And what I do is I actually write out these verses, okay? Um, and, and we come to the first of those five verses. And I write it out to show the valuable part that the Bible plays in our life by helping us see ourselves for who we really are. Not simply what we do, but what's in our heart, what's inside of us that nobody else can see. And, and I mean, I tell you what, everybody, I'm having a conversation with somebody about this, and I'm talking about it, and man, they're nodding their head in agreement with me. And so I write this out, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And then this statement, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. <clears throat> you know, Tim mentioned last Sunday how much God, God's word means to him. I'm with him 100%. I am so thankful for the Bible. And one of the key reasons that I'm thankful, and I, I say this in my conversation with somebody, is the very thing that this, this verse claims that, that the Bible does. It, its ability to penetrate to the core of who I am. It, it, it doesn't let me get by with thinking that I'm something I'm not. The very opposite. It, it faces me with the truth about myself. You know? And so I'm having a conversation with somebody about my faith and I want them to know my gratitude for what the Bible's done in, in, in my life. And, and, I, and I point to this as one of the reasons that I'm so thankful that God's given it to us. It helps me see myself for who I really am. Man, I tell you, you speak with that level of honesty with somebody, man, it just resonates with them. And so I talk all of this through what's good about us and what's gone wrong. And I mean, I include myself in that. And, and I got to tell you, in all of the years that I've done this, and this goes all the way back to my senior year in high school, I have never had anybody push back except once. I have only one time had one conversation with somebody where they looked me in the face. I remember where it was. It was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. They looked me in the face and they said, well, I've never sinned. That was an interesting conversation. Okay, I mean, it was just took a whole different direction than I expected, okay? But it hasn't happened since. But here, here's where the conversation becomes very real. And sometimes challenging, sometimes very challenging. It's talking through our accountability to God for every sin in our lives, including the sin that only God can see, our sinful thoughts and our sinful intentions. Which is why the next verse, verse 13, is so important to the conversation. This statement, and I'll write it out, I'll write it out. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That's a powerful statement. It's one thing to recognize we're sinners. In a way, it's, that's an easy thing to do. I mean, who wouldn't recognize that, right? 
But to face the, the truth that everything we do is seen by God, not only what we do, but, but our most secret sins, the sin that is buried deep in our heart, hidden in our thoughts. Tell you what, I start talking with somebody about this, and they are listening very intently at this point. Now, for us to face the truth that nobody else knows, and not only that, but that we're accountable for each and every sin in our life. That's when the conversation becomes very real. But it's to this point we got to bring the conversation. Because it's only in facing this truth and believing it that the person you're talking about is going to be ready to receive the help they need. And, and you know what? You've got you've to spell out for them what this accountability means. It's not just a slap on the wrist, you know. It's God's judgment to an eternal hell. It's to spend eternity separated from God himself and everything that is good and everything that's right. It's, it's the total absence of God and everything that comes with God. And so I talk about this. And I do it with sincere concern for the person who is hearing this. I, I know this is a lot for them to take in, to absorb. This, this is a tough thing to hear. And I always acknowledge how hard it is to hear this. And I ask them to hear me out. Very often, I'll compare it, this whole thing of, to us, the justice of God, to us wanting justice for the person who's done wrong. So let's just say I was, I, w I was having a conversation with somebody this week, and, you know, well, what have we been reading in the newspaper so much in the last two weeks about we've been reading about the murder of these four people in our city, and, and, and what is it that everybody wants in the city of Omaha right now? Everybody wants justice, right? Now, use that as an example. We want people to be accountable for the things that they do that are wrong. And it, and it's, but as I get into this thing with God, it's hard to hear. And I know it is. But I know that it couldn't be any other way. And, and they do too as I talk with them. They agree with that. And then I say, you know what? When I look at myself and I see how sinful I am, and I know that God is holy and God is just. I, I, I'll, I'll say this. I, you know what? I'd feel absolutely hopeless if it weren't for what God did for me. Which brings the conversation to Jesus Christ, the only one who can help us. And i got to tell you, every time I have this conversation, I can hardly wait until I can write out the third and the fourth verses. And so then I write out this, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. And so I talk about this verse, and I, I, I talk about the role of, of, of priests in the Old Testament and how the people back then brought their sacrifices to the priests, and the priests were the ones who offered those sacrifices to God, that, that this was the way that it had to be done. You couldn't do it yourself. And, and added to this, I, I explained that there, there, was, there was one priest who was chosen to be Israel's high priest, and more than any other priest, he represented the people of God, and there was, there was something he, he could do that nobody else could do. 
And I talk about how in the temple in, in Jerusalem, there, there, was, there was this outer room where, where everybody could go. And then there was a, a, holy, a, place called, a room called the, the holy place where some of the priests could go. But then there was that inner room. It was called the holy of holies. And whenever God came, to, came down and made his presence known to the people of Israel, he would, it would be in that holy of holies. And only the high priest could enter there. And I'll say, you know, every one of the priests, but especially the high priest, pointed to Jesus Christ who would become our final and our ultimate high priest. And, and here, it's here that I talk about the miracle of Jesus' birth, how, how the eternal Son of God became one with us in our humanity. And, and, you know, and I almost always say that this was a greater miracle than creation itself for the creator to become part of, of creation. And I just... When I, when, I, when I say that, man, it's like the first time they ever heard it. It's like, oh, yeah, Steve. You know? And I talk, with this, talk through what this meant for Jesus. Living within the constraint of time and, and space and experiencing the same challenges that you and I face every day. I mean... I mean, I even, I even say, you know what? I mean, when he was a little baby, he wet his pants. Can you imagine that? The eternal son of God wetting his pants, you know? You know, just make it real like it is. And then I show what distinguished Jesus from every other priest. Instead of us bringing him sacrifices, he offered himself as a sacrifice for us on the cross, and he could do this because unlike every other priest and like, unlike each one of us, he, he lived a sinless life. He lived a life of perfect obedience to God. And I'll describe the lambs in the Old Testament that were offered as sacrifices, each lamb carefully chosen so that, so that the lambs that they brought for, to offer to God were free of any imperfection, each lamb pointing to the sinless perfection of Jesus Christ, and I'll say, I'll say, you know what? There's a time in, in, in the Gospel of John in the New Testament when, when John the Baptist, the last prophet before Jesus, when he saw Jesus coming, he cried out, look, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I love talking through every part of verse 14 including how it shows us that instead of simply entering into the Holy of Holies in a temple in Jerusalem, Jesus was resurrected from the dead and he entered into the presence of God himself in heaven. And I'll go back to that verse and I'll say, look at this, it says, therefore since we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens. And I'll say, you know what that means for us? It means that ultimately we can be resurrected from the dead and we can enter into the presence of God because Jesus did. Oh, it's fun to see the expression on their faces you know, you get to that point in the conversation. And I just love everything about verse 14 and sharing it with others. And, and then there's verse 15, and it's like the icing on the cake, you know. It's a wonderful statement. We do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. 
You know, there's so much joy being able to write out a verse like that and have somebody see it. To help them, help them see that Jesus completely understands what it's like to be human. He, he's not only faced every challenge we face, but more important than that, he's been tempted to sin in the same way we're tempted. And the good news, I say, I'll say to them, the really good news that takes it way beyond Jesus understanding what it means to be tempted is that when he was tempted, he never sinned. <laughs> and because this is true, he could offer himself to God as a sacrifice for our sin. And you know what? Every time that I talk about this, I use myself as an example. And I'll, 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 I'll look at that person that I'm, I'm talking with, and I'll say, you know what? I understand what it's like to be tempted. I, I, I really, I can sympathize with you. I understand it. But then I'll say, but you know what? That's all I can do. I can just sympathize. I can't do anything to help you because I'm as much as a sinner as you. I'm, pro I'm probably more of a sinner than you are. And they always look at me and agree. But anyway, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. It's such... It is such an incredible thing to be able to share that with somebody. To help them understand that there's a solution to our sin. I mean, just, I just, you know, I, it's so much fun. <laughs> Which just brings us to the last of the three questions, and it's this. Well, what do you say to end the conversation? You know, you, you have this conversation with somebody and you're sharing with them the most wonderful truth that any person could ever, ever hear. And, and they might be totally amazed by what you've just said. About a month ago, God gave me the opportunity to have this conversation we're having this morning with someone who's doing some, uh, some work for Beck and I and some, um, some personal investments. And I, I know this person well enough to know that things haven't settled for him spiritually. He's not there yet. And so I, I've been praying for the opportunity to have this conversation. And, and you know what? God answered my prayer. And so about a month ago, what was planned to be a one-hour meeting talking about finances turned into a two-hour long conversation, a little bit longer actually, where most of that time was not spent talking about finances, but talking about what I talked through with you this morning. That's always so much fun to see how that happens. You know, it's just like, God, how's, how are we going to get into that conversation? And God always has a way, you know. So I shared all of it up to this point, that is. Because this is one of those times that I didn't end the conversation that day. For two reasons. One, we literally ran out of time. He had an appointment he had to get to. But even if he didn't have that appointment, it was like, like, it was like God was saying to me that day, and that's an important thing to do is always be, listen, you know, you know, be sensitive, you know, be, be in touch with the person you're talking to. It, it just seemed right to me that that day wasn't the time to end the conversation. I just needed to give him more time to kind of process everything that we had talked to. So that's okay to do, but just you know, don't wait too long. 
Okay? I mean, you want to finish the conversation. So, he called me this week. And <laughs> it was so much fun. And one of the things he mentioned is going home that evening a month ago and telling his wife about our conversation, how, how good it was. In fact, he even used the word that he was inspired to describe the conversation that we had. Boy, I was so glad to hear him say that. But here's the deal, everybody. If I don't end the conversation the way it needs to be ended, it's not going to do him any good, no matter how inspired he was. Because right now, it's simply good news that he's heard. He still doesn't know what he needs to do with the good news that he's heard, what he needs to do in response. So guess what? I'm praying for the opportunity to end the, end the conversation. Fact, fact, fact. Uh, I, I, when, we, when we talked on the phone Friday, I said, how about we get together and have lunch again? He said, yeah, I'd love to. So we're going to end the conversation. <laughs> Can't wait. And this is how I'm going to end it. I'm going to end it with verse 16, the last of these five verses in Hebrews chapter 4, where the writer said this. He said, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I'm just going to write that verse out for him. And I'm going to say to him, you know what it means to approach the throne of grace? It means coming to God in prayer, something we can do with confidence because of what Jesus Christ did for us. And then I'm going to say, and the reason we should do that, the reason I would like to have you do that, is so that you can do what, it's, what it says right in this verse, so you can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I'll explain, you know what? There's no greater need in our life than, than to have God's forgiveness for our sin. Forgiveness is only possible through Christ's death on the cross. And, and, and I'll say to him, you know what? It's something that God doesn't force on us. We've got to ask for it. We've got to receive it. We need to confess to God that we're sinners and that we need God's forgiveness. And we need to ask God for his forgiveness through Jesus Christ. I'll be that straight. I'll be that upfront. And then I'll ask the big question. And the big question is this. Is this something you'd like to do? Would you like to do that? Would you like to pray that prayer? And if he says yes, then I'll just lead him in a simple prayer right there in the restaurant, wherever we are, a prayer this simple. I mean, I've done it over and over again. God, I thank you for loving me and sending your son to die for me. And God, I confess that I sinned against you and I ask your forgiveness. And God, I put my trust in what Jesus did for me when he died on the cross. That simple. That simple. And you know what? You have that prayer with somebody. I have that prayer with my friend in a couple weeks. And you know what? His life will never be the same again. Because you'll become a child of God. God will come to live within him. <laughs> and isn't it fun to think about that? Yeah. So let's, let's worship God. Rob's going to come and lead us in. Let's just praise God, okay? Great.